0: Corner <laughs> when I'm not presenting,
1: listening in and
0: listen in. Hey,
1: everybody, welcome to bash University Live here on Tuesday night. Let's take a quick break, watch John Cruises on the Tokyo rig,
2: be a part of the show, get some chances to win some awesome prizes. fast you go, you know, we didn't have that back then. And it, 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 it,
3: gives me so much energy. I mean, like I'm dialing.
1: It's uh, just getting to the end of May. Fishing is exploding everywhere around the country, and I hope you're getting out and enjoying it. Uh, big tournament coming up this week. We've got the elites uh, that are uh, going to be taking place this week down at Lake Pickwick. And uh, big congratulations to our boy Patrick Walters, won the NPFL, I uh, guess, the end of the last week. I think that was a Friday. Uh, deal so congratulations to, to Patrick over there. Got to, we're going to dive into fishing this time of year, um, which, is ha- which is happening. Everywhere. It's going to be happening at Pickwick, uh, it's happening at Gunnersville. anything on the Tennessee River chain, anything where you have offshore fishing, ledge fishing. We're going to be diving into that, how to be successful, how to catch fish under heavily pressured situations. And uh, this is we've got. This is the Dean's list. We're gonna be doing a, an angler spotlight today with Nick Hatfield, who is just tearing it up on out on the major league fishing trail. He's uh, right now he's leading the rookie of the year race, and he's in 10th place in the angler of the year stats. And he's really did a nice job recently t- at Gunnersville. Took a second place finish down there doing exactly what we're going to be talking about today, adjusting to conditions, figuring out how to, uh, there we go, you guys can probably hear me a lot better now, Um, figuring out how to make those fish bite when there's a lot of fishing pressure, uh, when the fish start grouping up like that, it gets tough when they're not pulling current through the reservoir. There's all kinds of trips, tips, and techniques that we're going to be diving into uh, with Nick. He's young. Uh, a lot of you guys are hearing his name maybe for the first time because he's he's only 28 years old. He's trying to make his way in the world of professional fishing. So we're going to be talking about that too. So if you're a guy that that wants to take a stab at this, this is a great show for you. You'll be able to ask questions to Nick. We're going to see where he's at in his, the sponsorship hunt, the revenue hunt, right? that's That's one of the big obstacles here in professional fishing. It's not cheap. Uh, it's, uh, it's kind of an inspe- expensive proposition to get started, especially as a, a young person. So we're going to be talking about that. He comes from the college fishing world, uh, where he got his start. A lot of you guys are doing that too. It's becoming so popular. It's so big. Uh, a lot of people that are BashU subscribers are getting ready for next year, jo- you know, entering the college, um, ranks coming up in the fall of 2022, so a lot of really great, interesting stuff, fun stuff that we're going to be talking to Nick about. But in particular, we're going to be diving in Bashu style, figuring out what he did to be successful. Gunnersville is just one of the most heavily pressured lakes on the planet. And at a big-time tournament with super-talented anglers, those schools of fish get pounded. How are you going to downsize? How are you going to, you know... What are you going to do to make those fish trigger? And he was able to do that. So we're going to be diving into that with Nick Hatfield today. So look forward to doing that, guys. We, as always, we're going to have a Facebook like and share contest. You're watching uh, watching us over on Facebook. Make sure you do that. We've got a great culling system from TH Marine uh, as part of our kit today, as well as a prop nut. I see a, a cool Rapala DT6 and a couple of VMC hooks so uh we got a great cool gift pack for you guys so if you're hanging out over on facebook all you got to do is like it and share it and we'll enter you into that contest we're going to be giving that away here shortly and we also have a grand prize today riz
2: that's right pete we do have a grand prize we're uh we're giving away a uh doomsday 47 series fishing rod uh on today's show so that's a awesome that's a, a big time prize and uh we're going to be giving that away to one of our lucky BashU you subscribers. Um, guys, right now is a great time to get signed up. Uh, if you're not already a part of the program, just use the code BULive30 and uh, you'll get entered in for a chance to win. Um, uh, today's uh, grand prize we're gonna pull something from the show a little tidbit so you got to be paying attention make sure you got your pencil sharpened and uh be taking notes on the show pete we just had a little bit of a, a zoom glitch so we're working we're uh working on getting ourselves back in uh right now okay um so we'll be bringing nick in momentarily um but we also got some other stuff going on right now, Pete. We have the Ike Foundation tournament is going on. I, I
1: know you're excited about that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the, the, the Ike Foundation tournament's going on this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, we are uh, we're excited to have it back again on the Chesapeake Bay, uh, which right now is prime time. So yeah. if you are in the northeast part of the country, you should get signed up. Come fish this tournament. I mean, you know, for the entry fee, you're not going to get into a better event. You you can co- you can take home a brand new basscat if you win this with win a Yamaha. Yeah. With a Yamaha outboard, so this is fully, fully loaded. It's really – it's it's kind of
1: cool for our part of the country. <laughs> There's not any tournaments giving away a boat and motor package like that for first place. So it's really cool. It goes to a great cause. Go over to lakefoundation.org. Get yourself signed up and come on over and have some fun. It's going to be a blast. I'm going to be there. Uh, we're all going to be there. The whole Bash University crew is going to be there hanging out, trying to win that boat and uh and try to catch those big fish down on the chest because it's it is the time of year. The weather's been warm. There's all kinds of uh things going on down there at the bay that are going to make it a lot of fun. So plan your weekend wherever you are, come on up, drive up. It's going to it's a program that is designed to help kids in fishing. It gets rods and reels into the kids, into the hands of kids that might never get a chance uh to go fishing and that's what we do at Ike Foundation. We're happy to support it here at the Bass University. So hopefully you'll join us. Just don't catch any more weight than me. <laughs> that's right. But, <laughs> well, that's,
2: that's, a, that's a tough thing to do, Pete. You're, you're, you're a tough one to overcome on the Chesapeake. Not, not many people have more time down there than, than you do. That's for sure.
1: Well, pretty, i It's it's tough to win, and that's the problem down on the Chesapeake because it is it is everybody's. You know, the competitive, uh, the guys that are competitive that day are going to have around twenty pounds, and you need to get that big one or two to get yourself up over the hump and get that get into the low twenties, twenty one, two, and three pounds.
2: That's right. It is. I mean, it's just chock full of absolute, absolute killers on the yeah. bay. I mean, you know, it's you. You think you got to. You think you got a good bag, and you look to your left, look to your right, and you, you're saying, oh, crap, you know, this guy could easily weigh in 24 pounds today, easily weigh in 23. So, But a, you uh, know it's know a what? great time to be out there.
1: It, 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 is, it is frustrating watching all you guys catch. Was it last year you and I fished right next to each other? Yes, in the BFL. Oh, that was the BFL. It wasn't the Ike Foundation. But that's crazy. I like it because we're it's big, giant. It's like 25 square miles of grass flats. Yeah. So you get to see everybody else catching them, and when you're not, it's frustrating. But when it's your turn, it, it's kind of cool because yep. you're, you know, you're uh, you're feeling pretty good. You're catching them when the other yeah. guys aren't. Yep. But, yeah. But we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. It's it, it's always a lot of fun, a lot of great prizes, including uh, the big one. But man we're all there for the same reason it's a great cause so get yourself together and get out there and i want to i'll also guys on bash university I, we're re- always launching amazing new content new instructional stuff and uh drew cook is up this week uh, deep and shallow swim jigs now a lot of people are fishing swim jigs shallow and it's a really uh, a really popular way to catch them especially in heavily pressured situations drew cook has proven to be an amazing teacher he is an amazing sight fisherman but talks about how he fishes a swim jig deep why not why aren't others doing that right we
2: that's a great question you yeah. know it, it's it's such an effective bait why not throw it
1: why not it catches big ones uh, it catches them consistently. It catches heavily pressured fish. Uh, and Drew is teaching us about uh, that's coming up this week. Yep. And uh, there's some really uh, great other stuff that's really going to apply to what's happening in the world of fishing. And we got one. We go from a new guy, Drew Cook, to, to one of the all-time vets, one of the best teachers at Bass University, John Murray, uh, talking about Murray. Drop, drop shotting. In-depth drop shot approach, and that certainly—that
2: was a really good seminar. It yeah, I, al-
1: I, always is for fortunate me. Fortunate
2: enough to be in the room for that one. That was one of our Alabama shoots this year, and that was that was captivating. You know the way he thinks about the game, because I mean he came over from California, California, West Coast guy, and then he you know he applied it and wherever the heck he, like New Mexico or something crazy. It's probably not Arizona, yep. Ari, Arizona. Um, and, you know, now he does it on tour all over the country. So it's – guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to drop shots. It's a whole big world out there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it really is, and when you've been doing it as long as John has, the things that you've learned and, and the messaging that you can convey. Yeah. It, it's, if you're not studying at Bass University, you're missing out. Get over there. Get yourself signed up over at BassU.TV and a lot more. Clay Johns is coming up. Uh, how or, uh, concave face, popping frogs versus pointy nose frogs. Uh, he's a sleeper. Very, very intricate angler, great teacher. And of course, Randy Howe. and the list goes on. All these will be coming up in weeks to come at bash university. And we'll keep you guys posted, uh, as all that stuff comes out, but we're, uh, are we going to take a break?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we also have Alex with us here today. Hey. Everybody on the, everybody on the screen can see we, we got him back in the zoom. He, he, we lost him for a second, but we uh, we got him back. What's going on, Alex? Mm, better turn his I'm mic on. For
3: a little bit while I got kicked out, but I'm yeah. back in, ready to go, excited to hear from Nick, and ready to get this show on the road. Yeah. Sounds like you have a little
1: uh, twinge of COVID there, uh, yeah. real size, or, Alex. Or
2: it was just a really good Memorial Day weekend, <laughs> one or the other.
3: I think Rich nailed it on the head. I got back from a <laughs> bachelor party in Nashville last night, and still recovering from it a little bit but nothing that best you can't help me fix i've been plugged in you know driving down there it's great to have the app with the podcast it makes the drive go a lot nicer but you don't know the talking's been a little rough it was a good weekend and excited to get back out on the water next weekend
2: yeah heck yeah Man,
1: I, I think you need to keep that voice, Alex. That's like your sultry, Sound sexy, like, sounds dude. like he's got a little Radio bit of levisy in his yeah, voice right now. Yeah, he does. You know, a little bit of angry growl. <laughs> uh, come on, Lake Fork. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I like it. I like, Well, it's great to have you with us. Alex is going to be uh, handling a lot of our IM. So uh, on on Facebook, YouTube, on our IM board. Um, you know, if you have questions for any of us or Nick. Uh, Make sure you you put them there. Alex will make sure you guys get through and uh, we'll have your question live on the air best we can. And uh, in the meantime, uh, we are brought to you by Tackle Direct Studios and we are glad to be here. And I want you guys to go check out their amazing products and customer service and shipping that gets out and gets there on time. That's right. You're going to love these guys. Go check them out and right now we're going to take a quick commercial break and yep. we'll be
2: right back quick commercial break and we'll be back with nick hatfield
1: why bass boats for sale our mission is to be the premier bass boat outlet for listings and buyers we believe in customers can't find it it doesn't exist whether you need to sell your bass boat or are looking to buy a bass boat it's simple We give boats exposure, so buyers shop and sellers list. Bassboatforsale.com.
2: Aquaview, the leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for, catch more fish, have more fun, Aquaview, seeing is believing.
1: Why do you love catching fishing rods? I'm
0: truly losing less fish.
3: It is the sensitivity of the rod.
0: That's right
2: here in North Carolina. In the USA, strong here in Sanford, North Carolina. From
1: the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out during a tournament.
2: Durability in the John Cruise Worming series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I found that can withstand my hooks set. Boom goes the dynamite on the water not
3: spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minn Kota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network, products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together, the One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no
0: messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done
3: innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count.
1: Why Bass Boats for Sale? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Bass University Live. Uh, really glad that you're with us today. We're going to be having Nick Hatfield on uh, making waves over at Major League Fishing right now. Currently first in the Rookie of the Year race and, uh, and holding 10th in the Angler of the Year race. Really, Really tearing it up, getting some top 10s and some tough, tough competition. And trying to make his way in the world of professional fishing, so it's going to be an interesting conversation. Also comes from the college bass fishing ranks, so uh, you guys want to hang in there for that. We got Nick Hatfield. We're brought to you by Tackle Direct. We're here in Tackle Direct Studios, guys. If you've if you're part of Bass U and you haven't seen it yet, go over to our members benefits. Uh, I loved watching the AquaView commercial. It really AquaView really helps you understand and interpret what your sonar is teaching you. And you want to go check that out and, and get an AquaView, and especially get it through us if you're a subscriber. It's 25% off AquaView products. So get over to the members' benefits, get one, get one of those underwater cameras, and you will be enlightened. You will be able to see all the things you're missing. So, um, with that, we got if you're watching Facebook, like us and share us, but, and, and pay attention. We're going to be talking about a lot of stuff, giving away a fishing rod today courtesy of doomsday tackle and appreciate that appreciate you guys being uh part of the program is nick ready to come in he is he is yep, we got him with that with no further ado the man that's winning the rookie of the year race right now just crushing it nick hatfield how are you today buddy i'm great how are you man we're we're psyched i, I mean i we talk with everybody all the movers and shakers in the sport of fishing and it's really exciting to see someone that's that's really young coming up making waves like yourself doing so well so we're we're excited to talk to you it's got to be thrilling to to be sitting in the spot you're in right now
0: yeah man for sure I mean you know coming into this year I just wanted to you know cut checks just try to you know continue to learn and put myself out there and you know to see some success already this year so far you know it's it's great i mean it's it's what i wanted to do for a long time so just you know super blessed and thrilled that i'm i'm doing good and catching them. just hoping that i can keep the ball rolling
1: well i you know you're, you're showing the chops in the sport that i think you will be able to keep it rolling and we're going to dive in uh you just had a great finish at Gunnersville, and we're going to go get into bash you on that in just a minute and dive into the details on how you made that happen but you you're making this happen. You came from the college fishing ranks, and uh, I just you know a lot of that. This is getting to be so popular. A lot of guys are coming up through there, and uh, they want to follow in your footsteps. They want to do what you're doing, and uh, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that. Where 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 did tell me about your college experience? Where where did you go? Where did you attend?
0: Yeah, so I went to a small private school. It's Tusculum College here in Greenville, Tennessee, where I live and uh you know when i got there they had a fishing club but they didn't do anything as far as like fish tournaments or do the competitive side of it so uh i got got a small group of guys together that liked to fish there put out some flyers and we were able to get a team started and then from there you know just with a little bit of help from the school we we started to fish some tournaments and before you knew it i you know i'd spent four years there fishing and uh, you know i, I really do believe that my success now started there, just, you know, the experience and the time that I've put in traveling the country, fishing those college tournaments. I mean, you learn so much just traveling the country and hitting different lakes at different times. But um, yeah, you know, for anybody that wants to do it, if you don't, if you you don't have a team at your school, you know, you can start one and it's not a hard process. I mean, I'm a country boy from East Tennessee and I was (laughs) together. So that's that's awesome. Well,
1: you put your team together. Did were you, were you the coach? Like, uh, did did the school get involved with anybody to, to help you guys along?
0: We actually had a professor there. His name's Jason Jones, and he's become a good friend of mine now. He he loves to fish, and he was like all about it, you know, because we had to have an advisor. We had to have a club advisor, and he he stepped up to be that man, and uh, you know, he really Terrific. helped us, you know, as far as getting all the paperwork and, you know, the BS and stuff that comes with it, you know, just to get it pushed through and started, you know, after, after we got him on, it was basically just a matter of finding guys with boats uh, because not every college kid's got a boat. And, uh, you know, I went and just put flyers all over campus and, you know, within a couple of weeks I had three or four guys call me and say, Hey, you know, we want to be a part of this. And it was pretty cool how it came together and, you know now those guys that I fished with in college are some of my best friends and we still fish all the time and hang out and you know it's great so
1: that's true, terrific did well. tell me about your your strategy like in college because I'm curious now now you created this and I know some of the other colleges are probably a little bit further ahead but I'm curious about your your preparation did you did you have practices did you how did you prepare the team and yourself for the college competitions
0: yeah so you know most most colleges nowadays they have a lot of guys and they have to do qualifying tournaments oh, no you know kidding. Like, you Yeah, know, see it's it's about like golf i played golf in high school and you had to you know you had to be in the top you know of the qualifying rounds to just get to the actual match itself and a lot of colleges have to do that with you know, them having 12, 15, 20 plus guys there that want to fish, but where we only had like four or five that, you know, had a boat and it could actually go, then that's just what we sent. But then, you know, a part of it in the strategy was, uh, uh another guy, Corey Neese. he fishes the tackle warehouse pro circuit. Me and him wanted to fish to get together a lot. Um, because we were, we were a strong team together and, uh, you know, it just worked out best sometimes that we split up because he had a boat and I did too, where some of the other guys didn't. Right,
1: right. It's hard to get the guys on the water. Yeah. Uh, so, so you went from uh, the college program, and uh, man, it that's now you're you're stepping out into the the real world, and mm-hmm. and you you know, it's expensive, right entry entry fees cost a lot travel costs a lot there has to be uh you know it, it kind of hits you in the face uh to to even enter into these tournaments so uh take, you're you're 28 now so you you've been out there battling it for for a few years now but it had to be really hard at first to even get involved in these tournaments
0: yeah for sure um You know straight out of college i knew i wanted to try to fish the opens toyota's what you know whatever i wanted to try and get to you know the pro level that i'm at now and further but uh, i was working a just eight to five job Uh, i was in the accounting department at a, a company here in greenville called forward air and you know all my time off that i got and the money i was making i was just burning through it trying to fish the opens and you know, I cut some checks and it helps, but you know, after you spend a couple years, I think I fished 2018, I fished uh, four of the Eastern opens and I just barely missed out on the elites that year, which, you know, me and Brian were talking yesterday. I do believe that now that, you know, that's a blessing in disguise that I didn't because I don't know that I was ready at that point. And, you know, for everything else that's, you know, developed for me, it's, it's worked out, but I, I, Missed the elites. I didn't weigh in a limit on my home lake on Douglas day one, and it cost me. I really do think I could have qualified that year. But and then 2019, I decided I was going to fish all eight. That was when they were in the, the you know the two divisions instead of three. Right. And uh, I fished. I I top ten the first one on the Harris Chain, and then I had a bomb in the second one on Toledo Bend, and then Smith Lake. I think I finished top 20. So I had a decent season going. And then I ran into the issue of, oh, well, I'm running out of money. I'm broke. And I didn't actually end up – I don't I don't think I finished – I don't think I fished the last two that year. It, it was Oneida and somewhere, I think, uh, Grand Lake. I didn't make it to those. And that was just a decision that I had to make, which was a tough one for sure. Because when you want to do something like this, it kills you to not be able to. I mean, like – you know, you've heard Brandon Paul and they can, a lot of these guys say, like, you have to love it so much, you know, to do this, like, and I, I really do. I love it with all my heart, and I put so much time and work into it. So, at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, I can't go. I'm broke. So, I decided not to, and then all of 2020, I didn't fish anything. I think I fished an open on my home lake on Cherokee in October. Didn't do any good. The home lake curse kills me around yeah. here, it seems. But, uh, you know, going into 2021, in 2020, I, I decided I was going to start a guttering business. So I, I quit my job and I started hanging gutters. And, you know, I, I got a business degree and then I had some help, of course, Corey niece and his dad, Jimmy Neese, which both fish with me now. Uh, you know, they have an, they have a roofing company and you know, they, they both were like, yeah, you should start a guttering business, you know, like it's, there's good money in it. And there's flexibility where you can do this type of stuff. And, you know, with their help and just putting in the work and stuff, you know, I, I created something that I could fall back on and something that could make me money to, to get me back in it. And I wanted to spend at least, you know, three to five years doing that building it up, getting it right. That way I could, but you know, it, it seems like I jumped in at the right time because I've been super big I started. I've been able to, you know, just hire people. And, and now I've got it to the point to where I can go fish these tournaments. And I, when I'm gone, I've, I'm, I've still got guys working for me. And, you know, if I had, if I had any advice for anyone that's coming out of college that wants to do something like that, you know, you know, give yourself some sort of a plan, give yourself something, you know, that you can fall back on that you've got working at the house while you're still you know trying to get out there and compete and afford all of it because you know without sponsors and everything which you know I just growing up thought well you know I'll win one and I'll have sponsors all over me but you know that doesn't work that way which I haven't won anything yet but you know it's still the sponsor side of things it's it's tough and there's a lot to learn there too but I do think that if I had some advice for some young guys or young anglers I would say you know give yourself some sort of a plan you know you start a business, you know, find a job that will give you that flexibility and, you know, stick with it. And, you know, you put in the hard work and the time and do just follow your dreams and you'll, you'll get to where you want to be like I've been able to. And, I, I, you know, I'm super blessed to be here and uh, to be doing this. But I, I do feel like that, you know, the guttering business was was huge for me.
1: Well, that's great. It's great. Uh, and I know it's, it's a lot of work, right? You're doing double duty, but so often yeah. what happens is r- running out of money. That, that is the death of, of a professional career. And, uh, and, and you're in that space, right? You're trying to, you're trying to get, make that splash so you can, you know, attract sponsorships, but you're, you, you haven't quite got that enough time on your belt yet and wins aren't there yet. And, You know, so you got to you got to be able to weather the storm. You're doing a nice job. And I know I'm sure we've got people watching that are thinking about this. Uh, So I want to throw it over to Alex uh, to, you know, what kind of questions are you seeing coming across?
3: Absolutely, Pete. We have a lot of good questions coming in, especially you know about making it pro and advice you might have for young anglers, Nick. And this is a good one coming in from Blake Bailey. He says he's 24. He's doing the BFLs as a co, and he really wants to work his way through the ranks to either the pro level, the, the BPT, or the elites, one of them eventually. And he wants to know some tips you might have for him on when he should move to the next level or for when he should make the jump from a co angler to the front of the boat.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good question, Blake. I, I mean, I would say what I was always told is you know just spend as much time on the water as you possibly can when I'm not working hanging gutters when I'm not out you know traveling or with my wife or something I'm on the water I'm fishing all the time but you know I would say if if it's making the jump from a co to a boater you know spend some time fishing as a co and when you start seeing some success as a co and you really feel like you've learned as much as you can as a co then then make that jump or is it if, if it's you're already fishing as a boater and you want to think, well, I want to fish a Toyota series or an open, you know, see some success at the house first because, you know, fish all the local tournaments you can fish the BFLs. And when you start seeing some high finishes, I mean, I'm not even necessarily saying you have to win because I I have yet to win a BFL here at the house. I've had some really high finishes, and I've had some really high finishes in some team tournaments, but I've yet to win any of those here at the house. But I do think that it's important to see some success, see yourself up there at the top in the competition. And then, you know, that for me was like, hey, I think I can compete with these guys. And it gave me the confidence to make the jump. Great, great
1: question, Blake. And great, great answer. And uh, and just keep learning. By the way, Bass University is a great place to be able to get a lot of that intel because some of the greatest anglers in the world are giving it. At right in and it's available at your fingertips uh so go get that checked out thanks alex for for passing that along and uh man you're you're off to a tear and let let's go go after it we're uh you know we're we're killing it you know as far as i'm concerned man you're top 10 in in these major events that are, are really hard to do and uh you're you're having some really good success with it and and off to tenth place in the angler of the year. But and the the big one that really caught our attention is you had a blistering Lake Gunnersville uh finish just recently and doing it in a in on a way, fish ledge fishing where everybody's mm-hmm. kinda exposed to ledge fishing, but you were able to figure out an amazing way to, to get to the top. And uh I'd like to dive into that uh that Lake Gunnersville strategy uh on what you did down there. Yeah, for sure. Uh wait let, let's let's start at the beginning the, the fish were post-spawn right they were they were just making their way out to the ledges you had to find schools of fish uh with such a you know everybody's using advanced sonar technology is is that a strength of yours is that how you found those groups out
0: there it is um you know fishing here at home on douglas um we have the same deal you know it's a lot of ledge fishing in this time of year and uh you know that played a part in it for me for sure and then just the time that i've been able to spend on both gunnersville and pickwick i've grown up fishing them a lot but uh yeah just i spent a lot of time out there graphing you know we only get two days of practice and you you you've got to cover so much water and stay open-minded the whole time i actually spent probably 75% of my practice shallow because there's been so many times that I've been on the Tennessee river trying to fish deep in May and it burned me. So believe it or not, I spent 75% of my practice up shallow looking for brim beds and just grass that had some fish in it, stuff like that. Right. No, you know, as practice went on, I I found a few groups early on in practice. Uh, I didn't throw on them, you know, uh, I just, the more people that see you there, the less chance you've got of getting it. I mean, you've really got to sneak around out there. You've got to be careful what you do. You've got to be careful what you turn around on an idle again sometimes. I mean, oh you really, you really got to be sneaky about it these days because, you know, everybody's got the graphs. They've all got the technology and most guys, especially in the field I'm fishing against, they know how to use it. So, you know, being, being real sneaky is key. Um, but You know, I think what helped me was day one of practice, there wasn't much out there. They didn't pull that much current that day. And I think a lot of guys spent a lot of time the first day graphing and they didn't see much. And I'm not saying they didn't graph again day two, but day two about lunch of practice, I slid out and checked a couple places and I was like, dang, you know, they weren't here yesterday, but there's quite a few here now. And then I just started that afternoon just running places, rechecking stuff. And I was surprised that there were a lot more fish out there. And and it's crazy how quick that can happen. But, you know, the current affects that because fish will pull out to a place and then there'll be no current for a week and you won't see them out there much throughout the summer. But especially in late May when a lot of fish are are post-spawn and they're getting ready to go, I mean, it can happen just at the drop of a hat. I mean, it's so quick sometimes. And. I do think that happened day two of practice. I think a lot of fish got out there because, you know, we had several days in a row there where it was in the in the 80s. It was super hot. And I think that played a part in me having some success there was because a lot of guys may not have rechecked places or just, you know, thought, well, the, the, the deep bite's going to be tougher than what we thought it was. So, you know, I just – even going out day one of the tournament, I wasn't sure if I was going to be shallow or deep because I didn't make m- many casts on the, on the fish. I just, I marked them and I, I knew what I had found. And I said, well, I'll start deep. And if it works, then I'll stick with it. If not, I'll, I'll go shallow. And it, it worked out. So. That's
1: interesting. That's really a, an interesting assessment of it because w- what do you figure that these fish are doing? Like when they're not pulling water, um, they're hard to see Or maybe on your sonar, are they suspended? Are they moving up shallow? And, and they kind of know when that water's getting pulled, they they make their move. Is, is that kind of what's going through your head?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, it, and it, it depends on the spot you're actually fishing. I mean, sometimes the fish will be set up on a shell bar or something right on the main river close to some grass. And I think when there's no current, I think they like to just meander around up in the grass. I think some of them do suspend and they just get more spread out. Whereas if you had a lot of current, you know, you'll have 50 of them right there on top of each other and it's hard to miss them with a cast at that point. But I do think that they, with, with the lack of current, I think they just kind of spread out. They do their own thing. Uh, and then as soon as they, they start pulling water, they'll all get back at the same spot and they're just sitting there waiting on stuff to wash by that they can eat.
1: Yeah. That's, that's, that's really an amazing observation. Especially Riz, especially this one, like, we fish grass beds out offshore where we're at, and pa- apparently we're not allowed to turn around and re-idle over anything we find out there, Riz. We're going to be giving it away.
2: Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I, he, I mean, he, he hit the nail on the head with it there. It's like, you know, the more the more pressure these bodies of water are starting to get, and, you know, the, the fish are just they're flat out getting smarter. Yeah. You know, I think we experience that every year a little bit on our water, on the Chesapeake, like, you know. I I honestly think they, they know the sound of a chatterbait from, from, you know, they don't have to be, like, right on top of it to know when mm-hmm. it's coming once they start feeling that pressure and, like, um, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I'll get a bite, and then I'm like, all right, I want to know everything about this grass bed, and I'll take off idling, and I'll just kind of shut it all off you know and then you don't get any more bites and say oh well it only had one fish in it well maybe not you know maybe you just shut them off yourself so
1: right plus you you're drawing the attention of uh of the other anglers which is which is really kind of crazy uh you know but it but it makes perfect sense tell me what you're seeing like what you're looking at points and shell beds you said that but you're using uh um, a side imaging I imagine uh, that you're using to to pick off these schools of fish but what what does that look like for you and what what exactly are you looking for?
0: Um, so basically you know to look for places like you know on Gunnersville, it was a little bit different for me because I've, I've spent so much time down there in the summer fishing so I had a lot of waypoints from just past and when it comes to those places that I already know I can idle straight across the dots of where they should be. Cause these fish, it's crazy that they do this, but they get in about the same places every year. Isn't
2: that the wildest thing?
0: And you would, you would think that they wouldn't do that, especially with the pressure nowadays. But, <laughs> and, and there are places I'm sure they do get that are different from year to year. I mean, like for example, at home on Douglas, the water fluctuates so much, you know, sometimes in late April, early May, when some start moving out, the water's still 10 foot low and they might be, you know, 50 or a hundred yards away on a place, than they will be when the lakes at full pool. But as far as Gunnersville, I I just, the places I knew they were there, I could see them on down scan, or if they were a little bit off of it, then I'm just seeing them on side scan. And, you know, you'll just see, it's hard to explain if I had some pictures I'd show them, but you, you you know, you just see like, sometimes you'll see shadows on the left or right side Mm -hmm. of, And, you know, you can tell when they're really grouped up because you'll see a bunch or, you know, sometimes they're a white dot if you have a really good picture. Uh, And you'll see like maybe, you know, 20 to 50 dots, white dots or the shadows from the fish off to the side. And what I normally try to do is if no one's around and I can, you know, really idle it and, and get to know what's laying there, then I'll put one waypoint on it and I'll try to idle it a couple more times to see which way the school is oriented. Because if you just idle across them a certain way, you might see 10 or 15 of the fish on downscan. But if the school is laying long ways and you idle perpendicular to it, you're only going to see just a handful of the group. And what I'll do is I'll actually idle until I figure out which way the school is set up and I'll idle straight over them and I'll put a waypoint on this end of the school in the middle and then on this end. And that way, you, when you line up on it to make a cast, you sit down current, and when you make a cast, you're throwing all the way to the front of the school, and your bait is coming through all of the fish instead of throwing across them and only bringing your bait through five or ten of them. That's and that's, yeah, that's really important. It's it's huge.
1: That's fascinating. That especially you know, uh, a tribute to Gunnersville to have that kinds of schools of fish you know where you can mark them like that that's you know phenomenal now you're 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 bringing your baits through them and you're not fishing for them at practice so because right you don't want to be seen or you don't want to disturb those fish so you're coming at these offshore fish with a lot of confidence in your in your offshore game so uh yeah we want to know what what's what's that offshore game look like man what what are these tools
0: Yeah, so uh, I brought some baits in here. Um, So this was a huge player for me day one of the tournament. This is just a Berkeley Dredger 25-5. It's a Lavender Shad. And you can tell, I mean, it's pretty noisy. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Heck yeah, uh, that's a loud beat. This is something, this is not something that I'll make my first cast with. Something I'd make my first cast with would be like a Scottsboro swimmer. Just uh, just a five-inch swimmer, mm-hmm. and uh, just something a little bit more subtle than the crankbait. What's the Maybe weight on that swimmer? It, it's just a three-quarter ounce, okay. and this is their new top hook swim bait. And I caught a lot of fish on it down there; they were biting it really good. But um, you you know, I, I'll either start with the swim bait or even a hair jig, and the reason I do that is because these fish, when you when you start fishing for them. Sometimes especially early on, you know, they really want a crankbait and they'll eat it really good. But you still never know how many people have already found them and beat them up. So that's why I don't throw the crankbait in there first because I've actually pulled in on schools before and thrown a crankbait and it and it just busts them up and scare them really and you know, then you don't catch as many of them or get the bites that you might have if you started with something subtle and it and uh, something like a hair jig or the swim bait. But once I've done that, if I get a bite or two, you know, then I'll move on. Because once they get fired up, you know, as fast as you can throw this guy in there, you're getting bit every cast just about. And uh, I caught some really big fish on this throughout that tournament. I think day one, almost every fish I weighed, except for one, came on the hair jig. The rest of them came on the crankbait. And I'm just throwing that on that doomsday 7-11 medium heavy, 12-pound line. 12-pound sun line, and, uh, you know, making a long cast. A long cast is really important with the crankbait. Make sure you get it out there and get it down. Because I was only fishing, for the most part, in, like, 15 to 22 foot of water. And this crankbait will get to 22 foot really easy if you make a long cast. Uh, but, you know, after you, you've you caught a few on the crankbait, you'll notice, like, some of the live footage I went back and watched, I, I'd catch – three or four on the crankbait, and I'd be back there in the live well culling, and it'd take me a minute. And it's really important to get back in there as quick as you can while they're fired up. And uh, I'd be culling and I'd stand back up and throw the crankbait back in there and, and I wouldn't get a bite. And that's when I would switch to a Nico rig. And I'll show you guys here. Just throwing a uh, Zoom, Mag, Finesse Worm and Plum. And uh, I'll just Nico rigging it. Just take you a uh, O-ring. Put it on there. About about a quarter of the way up the worm. And I was using a 3 sixteenths angler tungsten nail weight. You just shove it right in the end of it. I do like to use a little bit of super glue because sometimes when you hook them, they'll throw it. And then you're just going through weights like crazy. They always throw it. My <laughs> <laughs> was a uh, high boosted trailer hook, the nine two nine worm, and uh, this is a good trailer hook for spinner baits and chatter baits and whatever. But uh, I really like it for the Nico rig. I, I really like the shape of the hook and the way that it's open. So uh, you know, it 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 works really well. Well, but I just run that hook right up through the worm like that, through the O-ring. And, man, when those fish would, when they would quit firing on that crankbait, I could throw this guy out there. And, uh, you know, I just got bites like crazy on it. I mean, I, fe- I felt like, and it wasn't until day two that I, I really started using this because day one it happened so easy for me. I caught him on a crankbait and a swimbait and a hair jig. And then day two, there was less current out there. And I'd pulled in on these schools, and I'd thrown my hair jig, I'd thrown my swim bait, I'd thrown the crank bait, and I had—I wasn't getting any bites, but I could still see them down there. I knew they were there. I just knew I was going to have to switch it up. So that's when I picked up the worm, and I went on to catch, like, a five-and-a-half, a four-and-a-half, a four and, and a four in, like, 30 minutes. And I was like, you know, the light bulb went off. I was like, you know, this is this is something I'm going to be able to use, that, you know, when those fish aren't firing real good to get some good bites. But – it, uh, you know, it worked out really well for me. And uh, a lot of guys like to throw just a regular stand-up shaky head, just a half-ounce or three-quarter stand-up head right. with a mag, mag finesse worm. And that that works too. Um, it, it It's a really good bait as well. But I think for me, just knowing that a lot of the field wasn't throwing it, you know, as finessey as I was, a lot of guys are slinging this out there and anytime you can get something different in front of them, it's a good thing. And I, I do think that a lot of guys weren't doing this or using this as much. And they, man, I mean, they seem to like it. I caught a bunch of fish on it. But, what is it uh,
1: about that plum on the Tennessee River chain, man? They always are biting that thing to pieces out on the edges. Yeah, hey,
0: that plum's the deal. I catch a lot on a green pumpkin too, but the plum seems to be the color down there for sure. They must, I have, they
1: must have plum-flavored chad that swims yeah. the Tennessee River. <laughs> like really good in Texas,
0: too, it seems like. Yep. But.
1: Well, that's great, switching over to that. Um, now, I want to ask you a couple questions, and I'm going to throw it over to Alex, because I know we've got a lot of questions for you as well. But when you're culling, I notice when I'm culling in, in smallmouth, we get a, I get around giant schools of smallmouth, and I know you like to smallmouth fish, too, but we – when you're when you're culling and you release a fish back, um, I don't know. It's like they tell every other fish in the school, oh, yeah. "Hey, that dude's up there fishing. It's a trick. Don't bite his lures." Uh, <laughs> you know, they put out some kind of chemical or you know uh, Aquaman type waves, and they tell all the other fish that something's going on. Did did do you think that happens with the largemouth you were culling down there? Do you think they it turns the schools off?
0: I I do. I think it happens some, Um, you know, the old school guys that I used to fish with on Douglas and, you know, like they would always be like, don't throw it out over here. Throw it out as far as you can that way, you know, just throw it away from the boat. But I mean, the fish is going to swim back down there. I do believe that, you know, you release some of them and it, it, there's something about it. I don't know if they just, the school knows that they've been caught or they, I mean, like Riz said, I mean, they're, they're so smart now. And they're a lot smarter than we give them credit for. Um, But you have to be careful, you know, like even pulling in on fish, you know, since we have forward facing sonar, I'll just pull in close to the waypoint and I'll, I'll, you know, ease up there and look and see if I can see them with live scope instead of just idling them and saying, oh, well, they're laying there. Because once you've idled them, I mean, you've already let them know that you're there. So I do, I do think throwing them back, but, you know in a tournament like that where we can't we can't keep 5 or 10 of them yeah. in the live. we got to yeah you hey, got to let them go i just throw them back and hope that it's not going to happen
1: yeah are you I, like i was the the forward facing sonar is man it, it, it i thought it might even show it you know a little bit better and i haven't been on a big school uh and used it in that regard but you know be be able to see the fish disband or suspend or change when you start releasing fish
2: yeah it's it's interesting too that nick said he goes in first with like the hair jig um or you know a a bait that's maybe not going to disturb them like the crankbait like Mm -hmm. you bring a a big loud crankbait through there and they've already been pressured and already already been hit several times i think part of it with like you know when you let one go is that like obviously when you get the school fired up they're all in competition for each other they all want your bait they're they're trying to be the next one that gets that meal but that one goes back down there and it looks at your bait kind of sideways and is like eh i can live without that it's like you know it 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 makes them all think eh you know i don't really need to need to bite that so going in first with the finesse bait where you know you're going to get them to bite even if, or or they're more likely to bite even if they've been pressured and then you come back door with the power bait where once they're all already fired up ready to go that's it, juicy stuff, right there.
1: It is juice because uh, honestly, it's it's reverse strategy on what we've uh, what we've all taught, been taught. You know, it's like go in there with the power bait first, and and then follow up with your cleanup lures. Nick, you, I think that that right there might have separated right.
0: you from the field. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, it, it's crazy how much I had to change each day of the tournament. Like you know, day one I caught them with the power you know, like the crankbait and stuff. And then day two, I caught most of my weight on the worm. And then like towards the tail end of day two, picked up a spoon, just a five inch Nichols flutter spoon. And uh, man, it seemed like they, I just started getting some better bites on it. And then the third and fourth day, I, I kept it in my hand and, you know, I caught quite a few on it. I think the spoon and the, the worm was what got me through the third and fourth day. All right. it? And like I could watch them on live scope when I would reel the crankbait through the school. I could watch, you know, you, you can feel it. You can feel the plug actually hit one, roll over it. And then you're watching it on live scope and you can see there'll be three or four come in and just chase it all the way to the boat. And then you reel it up and they'll just kind of come up with it to the trolling motor and they just won't ever hit it. So it's like, I mean, I do think that they get pressured to it and they know, and until they're actually in that real good feeding mode when they fire up, I think the crankbait, you know, it's harder to get bit on it nowadays than it might've been 10, 15 years ago. No. Well, you also
1: held up something that I want you to hold up again. That, that, that's a little flutter spoon. Oh yeah. That's not as big as a license plate, which uh, a lot of guys are using.
0: Uh, talk, talk to me about that little bait. That, and it it's white. Yeah. White one. Um, I like the chrome one and the gold one too. The gold's really good on Gunnersville, but um, you know everybody's throwing the mag spoons nowadays. Like even guys in the tournament that I fished, they they were catching them on it, and I caught some fish that week on it too. But it's just something I, I don't know. I, I I guess you could say experience down there on Gunnersville. I've I've been down there before and had my butt kicked with a little five inch flutter spoon and. You know, I know just as far as pressure goes, you know, throwing something smaller, all of the shad that they were spitting up when I would catch them were this size and smaller. And, you know, that that big spoon's like six to eight inches. And, I mean, I know they'll eat it. I I know that you can catch big ones on that mag spoon. But I do think in a tournament like that where, you know, there's a lot of guys out there fishing for them, just having something a little bit more finessey, something a little bit normal size for them, you know, was definitely a huge player for me. That's awesome.
1: A lot of it, you know, from throwing the Nico rig to your strategy about not power fishing right out of the gate uh, to the smaller spoon. It's uh, it it's really, you know, spells the difference on. Why you were able to rise to the top in this tournament, and I, I've got a few more questions, but I want to pass it over to you, Alex, because I know some guys, some of our guys watching probably have some questions. This is like, man, amazing ledge fishing strategy. You guys that are dealing with this right now in Pickwick and Gunnersville, Kentucky, all the places where this goes on, uh, this is amazing intel. So, uh, Alex, what do we got?
3: So, Nick, we have a question here from David Gaines on the message board, and he wants to know what materials do you like the best in your hair jig? So, Bucktail, Fox, Rabbit, marabou, Synthetic. Are there any you really don't like as well? Sasquatch?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sasquatch
0: hair would probably be pretty cool, man.
1: <laughs> Nobody
0: else has that. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've just got – this one's a homemade one. There's a buddy of mine, Jimmy Crone. He had a friend of his make them. But, uh, you know, he's the guy that really taught me how to throw this thing. And we've caught him really good on Douglas with it throughout the years. But this one's just a – it's just deer hair. I think it's bucktail. And then it's just got some long – the the one thing about a hair jig that I don't like is when they make them. And I'm sure they're good for certain situations, but I hate when they make them and they're only about this long instead of this long because it just seems like – you have to have the right ratio of hair to feather on the the hair jig. I mean, it gives it the right amount of fall and the poofiness of it. It just, it looks more real to the fish, I feel like. But this one's just got uh, a couple little quail feathers on either side of it. And then the bucktail, That's probably, I'm going to say four inches of bucktail. And then the feathers, actually, they're probably more like six inches long off of the end of it here. And they're just white. I don't even know what kind of feathers they are, but as long as you have the right ratio of hair to, to feather, you know, I think is the most important part with the hair jig. What weight, is, one, what weight is that? This one's a half ounce okay, and it's got a four-aught hook in it.
1: Now the, the, you know, classic technique is you're going to be cranking five, six, seven times. Like you th- let it, mm-hmm. is that the strategy you were using?
0: Yeah, yeah, just, just bomb it out there, um, let it hit the bottom. And you want to – I throw this thing on, like, 14-pound sunline, and just let it hit the bottom, and then you're going to just keep your rod kind of high, not not straight up, but, you know, reel it and kill it. And you, you're not going to engage the reel. You just want to hold it and let it fall on a tight line. And when you feel it t- hit the bottom, just reel it again, kill it and then you'll feel them just thump it on the fall most of the time. Sometimes you'll actually go to reel it, and while you're reeling it, they'll grab it, but 95% of the time, you'll be reeling it, and then when you kill it, you'll feel the thump, and then you just, and and it's important with a hair jig, do not just set the hook like you're throwing a jig or something, just when you feel them thump it, crank into them and sweep because i've lost so many fish over the years trying to really dial this thing in by when i get a thump just you know i'm talking slack on them you don't want to do that you want to just reel into them and sweep and that seems like to be the best way to get them hooked on that thing
2: are there any scenarios other than uh offshore ledge fishing that you put the hair jig to work where it uh you know really plays for you like like stuff that guys might not might not think to do like You know, you always hear about it offshore ledge fishing, but there's got to be other applications as well.
0: Yeah, I always have a hair jig handy. Uh, I catch them really good on it pre-spawn here at the house, you know, before they're schooled up. They just might be on, on points or, you know, places going into the creeks that they're getting ready to go back to. And I'll just, you know, instead of going down the bank with a swim bait like most people do, I'll just focus on the points or something where I see some set up. You know, you might have, instead of seeing a school of 20 or 50, you might see like, you know, five or six up there on a point or something. And if you can get that thing in front of them, they bite it really good. Uh, I've tried it in a lot of places. I've caught some on it in Texas. When we were on Rayburn, I had a few bites on it, Um, but it's something that it wasn't ever like the deal, but I have caught them on it in, in several other, you know, places and doing it different ways than just ledge fishing. It's, it's.
1: I would imagine any anywhere that there's there's shad around, it could be an effective tool. And that's yeah, a great, sure. great question, Riz. I wonder if we can use them out in milfoil grass. Have you ever flipped them in milfoil grass?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I have not, but I know there's some guys up up Minnesota, like Minnetonka and places. They they catch them really good on a hair jig, and I would imagine that it's probably around the grass.
1: Yes, I think I think you're you're right, and uh, I think we've had Seth come on and and talk about that a little bit but great stuff man uh and i want to throw it over to you again alex like i said we're we're talking about ledge fishing uh man this is pretty advanced ledge fishing tutorial right here by nick so uh what kind of questions you got for us alex um, so this
3: guess- come from Kentucky, and we've heard some other anglers say this, and they're wondering if you follow along with this school side of well of turning off your sonar once you find the fish. Do you think that helps you get a couple more bites when other anglers cannot?
0: Yeah, for sure. I, what I normally do is I normally just put my units at my dash on standby, and I've even at home on Douglas sometimes, I'll just turn. I'll put everything on standby besides 360 and, and forward-facing sonar. Uh, I definitely do think that that helps. Stealthy.
1: Stealthy. We've uh, you know, we've been watching Lee just, just light it up from a stealth perspective. So that's certainly key. Uh, I wanted to go back to uh, to your cranking and we talked about the difficulty of getting crankbait bikes. Are you what are you burning? I, I noticed this has become a real thing with guys that they're using high speed reels and they are ripping that crankbait through the schools. Is, mm-hmm. is is that your strategy, too, or are you doing something else?
0: Yeah, no. You know, growing up, my dad was always like, you know, you got to have a 5-4-1 to one and
3: crank yes. that
0: thing slow. But, you know, it seems like the faster you can crank it through there and keep the crankbait running true, the better. I mean, if you're beating it off of them, then you're going to get bit. It seems like the faster you can reel it, the better. I mean, on Gunnersville, I did have some bites with the Berkeley Dredger where I'm actually – making a cast to where i'm seeing on scope and once it gets down there in the middle of the school and i'm burning it i'll actually stop it and it'll rise up a little bit and then i'll i'll keep it going and i had a couple bikes i actually caught one four pounder i had it right in the middle of the school and i let it drift up and he just i mean just got it really good so i do do that some but it seems like the faster you can crank it the better
1: Burning it. I like it. Uh, And that is a loud bait, Riz. Man, every time he touches that bait, it's coming through my headset. Yeah,
2: it's like getting me excited hearing it. You know what I mean? Because we don't get to do that kind of fishing. We we don't get to deep crank. It's like our our, our deep crank is like... Using like a 2.5 square bill, you know what <laughs> I mean. We're we're five six foot and we're like, man, we're out here off the ledge, son. But in reality, you know, the rest of the country, they're like, yeah, that's shallow, dude.
1: Yeah. So. Well, th- those those fish definitely get get off shore down there. Um, and well, they get offshore at us, but it's relative. They get offshore two miles, but they're still only two feet deep. But uh, but you brought a bait up there, and I want I, and I'm not familiar with this bait, so I want you to uh, and you did well with it. Is that Scottsboro swimmer? Uh, yeah. it's a single hook bait. Uh, yeah, just show, show that to, to us. I'd like to learn a little bit more about that bait that you mm-hmm. said, that's so a three quarter ounce.
0: Yeah, it's a three quarter. And it, this is a top hook. This is the new Scottsboro top hook swim bait. Okay. And it actually has the weight and stuff in the swimmer. So you don't have a traditional jig head like, you know, most guys throw it, but it's really good because it stays down. And it just has, I don't know, it's just the feel to it when you're bringing it across the shell and stuff. It it, it really, it kicks, you know, you can feel it thumping just when you're slow winding it. And uh, I like throwing it in the white or they have another color called natural shad. And it's more of a blue with a little bit of yellow in it. But uh, it's, this is a good swim bait. I've I really, I really like this one. And it's, it. you know, I caught, I didn't catch very many fish on a swim bait, on Gunnersville that week, I did catch a handful. But the the ones that I weighed in on it, you know, I think I weighed in some day three on it. And uh, they got it really well. They were hit, hitting it pretty good. But I just throw this one on a 7'4 heavy and uh, throwing it on like 18-pound sun line just with a, you know, a six. I do like a lower gear ratio for a swim bait. I was throwing it on a 6'4 to 1 or 6'2 to 1. And uh, you just want to throw it out there and just, I mean, it's its almost painful because if you reel it too, if you get to reeling it too fast, you'll find that the swim bait, the faster you reel it, the further off the bottom it gets. Mm-hmm. And then you can stop it and it'll go back down. You really want to keep that swim bait, you know, just barely off the bottom. I mean, the, the closer you can keep it to the bottom and swim it right through the fish, the better it seems like. But it's definitely a definitely a good swim bait and uh I I do like how the, the hook and the head and everything is actually in the bait rather than being a jig head. So, how how is this this
1: the strike to catch on it? I mean, obviously you wouldn't be throwing it if it wasn't good. But I always I, I always worry about a bait that bulky and, you know, missing fish, you
0: know? Yeah. You definitely have you know, well, on Gunnersville there's tons of white bass out there too, uh, and those bar fish and stuff. And you, you'll get a ton of bites where they'll just, I mean, they'll hammer it. And you, you've you got to be patient. I take my I take my wife fishing all the time, and she loves it, though, a little tech And I actually brought one so I could talk about it and show you guys. This right here is one of the best ledge fishing baits. And people are going to get mad at me for telling this, but this is one of the best ledge fishing baits out there. And it's this is just a 3.3 tech. I mean you look at the size of it compared to the other swimmer.
2: That's awesome. I mean, it's a th- three three?
0: Yeah, it's a three three and I've just yeah. got it on a three eighths ounce head and I'll throw this oh, on a so juice. But what I was saying was I'll take my wife fishing and she'll get bites on it. She wants to set the hook every time she feels. With a swim bait, you really have to make sure that when you get a bite, you want to wait until you feel them load up on it. Because a lot of times they'll they'll hit they'll peck at the tail or they'll hit it. You want to make sure you feel some weight there before you set the hook. But uh, I did get a, a really good hookup on this bait, which I, I haven't thrown it. You know, Tim at Scottsboro, he gave me these not, not long before the Pickwick tournament. And I, I've only thrown them now for a couple months. But it seems like the hookup on it's really good. And uh, every fish I caught on it had it in the roof of the mouth. And, I mean, you know, you talk about a two-pounder. A two-pounder may come up and peck at it real hard, just like a white bass, So they may get it up here and not get the hook. But you get a quality three to five, six-pound fish that you want in a live well about every time, you know. I mean, they get it. And most of the time, I feel like they eat it head first, too. So, I don't know. I mean, that's just my opinion. But I do feel like that they eat it head first. And uh, it seemed like I got a good hook in them. But, you know, something I could do is I could follow up, you know, especially like when the school wasn't firing and I was throwing this guy, I could throw the Kitek in there and, and slow roll it. And, man, I mean, you, you catch a ton of fish on this. If I was going to take someone ledge fishing tomorrow that didn't know how to use a baitcaster very well, they could catch, I mean, you catch 20 to 50 a day on this, white bass, and, and people think, oh, well, I'm not going to catch a big one on this. I've been on ledges in schools of fish before and caught four, five, six pounders on this bait. I mean, this one will catch the biggest fish in the school as easily as it does the little ones. And a lot of people don't throw it, but this is something else, you know, that's really finessy that works really great out there.
1: That's cool. You know, I mean, it's almost like ego. You get out on the ledges, you want your big crank, your, your big spoon, you know, maybe you think you're fishing for second place, but uh, situations, man, that, that, but that 3.3 is 3, it's just so tiny it flies in the face of all this stuff that's uh that's pretty neat stuff
0: and that you know the finish i had on Pickwick, or i finished fifth you know i caught a lot of my fish on a shad spawn early but then i was going out offshore and it was you know it was late april or mid april but there's always fish that spawn early And there's schools of them that get out there. And I was able to find a few that were already out there. And some of the fish in the school are pre-spawn. Some of them are post-spawn. And there's fish just coming and going. But I could take my traditional ledge fishing baits, like the spoon, the hair jig, the crankbait, and I couldn't get any bites on it. And, you know, I think day two of the tournament on Pickwick, I picked this guy up and caught like, almost 17 pounds in about 15 20 minutes on it and that's what carried me to the top 10 there too but it it just seemed like they would they didn't want a crankbait they didn't want the spoon and they're set up just like they were on gunnersville but for some reason they wouldn't bite it as good but you could throw this guy in there and i mean that's what i did most of my damage on pickwick with
1: nice that's that's phenomenal i mean we i see it everywhere too but you know we uh we get heavily pressured fish where we're at and to be able to downsize that's a tr- to keep them biting that's a tremendous way to, to do it on the ledges i love it uh i know we got some more questions alex let's uh let's dive into another one
3: let's do it so nick we've been going over you know the gamut of your arsenal for ledge fishing and mark polsky wants to know what is your confidence base when you've thrown a lot of stuff and nothing is working what's the bait that you tie on to get yourself back on track
0: yeah so definitely this guy wow. definitely Tech. i mean, I mean, if I'm having a rough day, if I'm not getting them to bite, you know, you know, and I, all of these baits, I'm super confident in the crankbait, you know, the worm. I mean, I've caught fish on all of them really well and I have a lot of confidence in them. But it, if somebody told me I had to go out there and I had to catch some fish, I would take this guy and I, I would catch some on it for sure. This is definitely my confidence bait
1: that's that's amazing and uh what, what a neat little deal dropping down to a 3.3 3, riz 3.3 3.
2: it's juice man don't sleep on it especially on that 3 ounce head Dude, mm-hmm. and imagine what you can do with it too when you maybe spool it up on like 17 pound test and you put it on a baitcaster, caster and it rides a little higher and you can jump it out of cover with real quick shake of the rod yeah i hope i didn't give too much away there
1: but (laughs) it sounds like that's might be riz's strategy for his tournament this weekend (laughs) we'll Uh, see we'll
2: see hopefully that water cleans up a little bit i know
1: we got we got a big derby coming up our way nick for the ike foundation we're all preparing we're going to be fishing uh, milfoil grass uh shallow water stuff so uh well it's miles offshore like i said but i man i gotta love some of these techniques because i know the fish that we're fishing for they're feeding on uh you know white perch big catfish you know all the all the same kind of stuff that that you see them feeding on you know off the ledges minus the shad but we have herring and we have shad too so uh so we're going to try to steal we're going to be out there with uh the 25-foot dredger run, trying to run it through a milfoil bed. <laughs> we, we're gonna we're gonna need a hell of a rod to pull that one off, Chris. Yeah. We're gonna
2: just we're gonna run through the channel, get <laughs> yeah. out there off Turkey Point. There you go, long cast, baby, long cast.
1: I like it. <laughs> hey, man, you you've got uh you're you're doing well. You're sitting in tenth. You're leading the ROI. What 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 are you excited about? That what's the next derby uh, that that has got your attention coming up?
0: Um, uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I try to just be positive and just confident about it all. You know, you gotta stay, you gotta be confident, but you gotta be humble at the same time. You know, I, I'm very blessed. I, I, I really am looking forward to Champlain. If I can yes. survive the James River, then I'm like, I'm dying <laughs> to get Champlain. But, you know, I, I went and pre-practiced the James a little bit and, uh, I've been there before, so. I'm looking forward to it too. Anytime I get to go fish tournament, I'm happy. You know, I love to do it, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. But I, you know, like I said, the way that place is and the title and everything, if I can just survive it with a good finish and then get the Champlain, I'm gonna be vibrating before I get up there.
1: That that's amazing. Well, what what time of year is the James? Is that real soon?
0: Yeah, we. Uh, so actually, June. I want to say it's June sixteenth yeah james
1: i got you well it was fascinating we just had a uh, open down on the james and i've never seen it fish so good uh as far as numbers of fish and size uh now i know you're going to be fishing a different time of year it'll challenge everybody in the summertime but uh yeah. you know that that uh, i you know i think you'll like it but you're right champlain is just uh it's on everybody's list is their favorite lake on the planet and uh that's that'll be a lot of fun so those are the last two so uh we we got a route for you on lake champlain to wrap up the angler of the year race
0: yep i hope so i would love to top 10 the james and then just go ahead and win champlain and win angler of the year rookie of the year so. <laughs> <Do> it. <laughs> uh, we're gonna do our best and see what happens
1: well, we're we're gonna be rooting for you, and I uh, appreciate you taking some time and coming and hanging out with us at at Bass You, because you you really honestly you, you turned the ledge fishing conversation in a way that I I wasn't really prepared for, so. That's really cool. I appreciate yeah. you sharing, even even your wife's top secret bait. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: you can kill me for telling everyone.
1: <laughs> well, we we certainly appreciate it. And uh, if people want to follow you uh, on social media, uh, how how can they follow your uh, your tournament results?
0: Yeah, so uh, I'm on Instagram as Nick Hat Forty Seven, and then just on Facebook as Nick Hatfield Fishing. Um, I haven't gotten into the YouTube game too much yet, but uh maybe in the future if we can if we can keep doing good we might we might dabble in it a little bit there. But uh, yeah, just Instagram and Facebook and you know of course watch the weigh ins and watch me on Bass Track.
2: That's right.
0: Yes. I
1: love I love that. Well we will be watching and we'll be rooting for you. Good luck at the next two events and uh and thanks so much for hanging out with us, man. I really appreciate it um we're gonna be pulling for you roi aoy see if you can do them both at the same time uh yeah
0: we're gonna try i appreciate you guys having me uh I, I really do it's uh it's great what y'all are doing with bass you you know i wish that i had it when i was growing up and you know it, it's it's great so anytime i can put out what little bit i know to help other people out i'm all for it so i really appreciate the opportunity guys well, thank you
1: Nick Hatfield everybody. Awesome. Good job. Dude. Thank you, man.
2: Heck yeah.
1: Yeah, that was uh man, that's some really cool ledge fishing stuff. I really uh riz that it's the reverse strategy, man. It's going in subtle and then powering up versus yeah. power you know, typically, right, you power up first, get the aggressive fish right. and right. then you then you play cleanup with the finesse baits.
2: Absolutely. And you know, things are things are changing right now. It's, you know, the way fishing's going to the, the 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 game is being changed with the forward-facing sonar and the advancement of electronics and everybody in in mapping hummingbird lake master mapping there's no secrets anymore so you know got to come at them from a different angle show them something different and in a different you, way a different yeah.
1: strategy that's, that's really really cool stuff uh guys and that we also want to invite are you in the market for a bass boat want you to check out BassBoatForSale.com. Yep. Check it out whether you're looking for a new boat, a used boat, whether you want to list your boat. It's the best place to list your boat, to get it sold. Go check out BassBoatForSale.com. Uh, and a uh, lot of other great stuff. Go to View 25% off. Hobie sunglasses. I wore mine down here. I, they're in my truck right now, 25% off. I love the they Sightmaster. They are great. The Sightmaster Plus lens, it's the deal.
2: Yeah, they're they are really really good sunglasses. They float and they're comfortable. That's the the biggest thing that I've I've found with those things, man. Is they are just comfortable as all get out on your face, and uh, you don't you even know. know you're wearing them. Yeah, I actually I so I I jumped in yesterday because it was hot, and uh, I forgot I had my sunglasses on, and I jumped in the bay and i came up and they're floating right next to me no problem (laughs) you know if they were if they were sinking shades we would have been in uh in a world of hurt i would have been would would have been diving down but the uh the hobies man they float and they're legit they really are yep
1: i've got a i've got a few pair of sunglasses sitting at the bottom of various bodies of water
2: around (laughs) i think we all do
1: yep and we have 15 percent off cash and rods uh for the new icons the john cruz signature shears go check them out you can get a great deal. And, of course, our, yeah. our signature series uh, promotion is the Rapala VIP program. If you're part of Bash U and you haven't signed up for that yet, you're missing out. Get over there. You can get all your VMC, your Rapala, your Storm Baits, and a lot more all available over there because you're a VIP. When you're with us, you're a VIP. That's right. So uh, we got a, we have a Facebook like and share. If you haven't done that, we're going to be giving away. Go do it now. Uh, we're going to be giving away a cool TH Marine prize pack VMC Rapala, and we also have a, a an amazing uh,
2: gift that we're giving away as our grand prize today, yep. Riz. Yep, we do. That's a, it's going to be a, a Doomsday Tackle 47 rod. Uh, pretty pretty awesome, pretty awesome thing to be getting just for uh, just for watching a podcast, guys. It's not too late either. If you're not signed up and you want a chance to win that awesome rod. Man, head over to Bash U and get signed up. Use the code BULive30, and you're going to get 30 days for free. Try the whole thing out for free. Or you just sign up for your monthly membership on the spot. We'll send you a Bash U hat. Be out on the water looking fresh. Uh, guys, it, it really, really does pay off. I've been actually Pete, so since I don't have I don't have TVs in my house yet, I'm still kind of under construction. I just watch Bash U every, like, every night yeah. with dinner, after dinner. Just watch Bash U literally leave the laptop up and running as i'm falling asleep so like last night i fell asleep to bill lowen's finesse flipping you know
1: what a powerful seminar
2: yeah great seminar great seminar it was you know absolutely absolutely great but you know it's uh it's something you need to be it's something you need to be involved in if you're serious about your fishing and you want to go to the next level get on the program man yep power of information
1: power of information and we've got some it's cool. We talked about the seminars, but we're releasing a bluegill eater seminar from Greg DePalma, Palma oh, yeah, which is uh, is coming up real soon. And uh, today is Jesse Wiggins' day um, about fishing floating docks. If you've got docks uh, on your body of water that are that are floaters, uh, Jesse breaks them down, and that's what we offer. We got on-water seminars, and we have in-classroom seminars. A lot of great stuff over here uh so you let me know when you're ready to give away some prizes rich
2: yeah Yeah, we're uh we're ready you want to start with the facebook like and share or let's do it all right i'll um so i'll I'll queue up the um i'll queue up the question which is going to be for the grand prize and then i'll announce the uh facebook like and share uh the question for the grand prize which is from today's show you had to be paying attention what are the first two baits that Nick fires into a school of offshore fish. What are the first two baits that Nick fires into the school when he marks offshore fish?
1: Wow, that's mm-hmm. that's good because I don't I remember the strategy, but I don't remember specifically which ones he named as the first two. So I don't know the answer to this question. I'm looking forward to being reminded here sh- shortly. So, uh, but it was really uh, that that like I said, a lot of offshore instruction going on at bash you but that kind of spun it sideways a, a little bit for me so that was that was really cool and i i feel that way about everything like everything that we learn here at bash you rich is like i'm like how can i apply that to my fishing you know we're listening to these ledge uh tactics and what can i what can i do to give the fish a different look out on uh you know what what i'm doing and it did remind me of yep. man, flipping those hair jigs into the grass like they're doing up in uh, minnesota like fighter yeah. is doing and a lot of the guys are doing up there uh why aren't we doing that
2: yeah i, I don't know i wonder if we could you know modify one of those hair jigs with give it a little weed guard so it doesn't yep. doesn't hang up as much in the grass but i mean shoot i'm i'm at the point pete where i'm I'll take anything to, to start showing our fish something different. I mean, it's, you know, like we were talking about before the show, it's, uh, it's that time where it's like, we got to start showing them some different stuff, yep. you know, in order to keep them fire. And so that's we'll what, it. maybe it's a, maybe it's a hair jig. Maybe it's a, maybe, maybe it's, it's a hair jig chatterbait. I don't know. Maybe it's a 3.3. Maybe it's a 3.3, so it? 3.3 Kitech. You know, if you can figure out how to get that thing to run through the grass a little bit cleaner. Yep. You know, so
1: come join us. We're going to be figuring this out together. The Ike Foundation tournament is going on this weekend on yeah. the Upper yeah. Chesapeake. I don't care where you live. Make the trek. Come on up. The yeah. weather is going to be great. The fishing is going to be amazing.
2: And it's on a Sunday, too. So you can make the drive up on a Saturday and still fish on Sunday.
1: That's right. And we're giving away first place is a Bass Cat boat oh, yeah.
2: powered by Bass a Yamaha. Bass Bobcat this year, Pete. It's a bigger boat. It's a bigger boat. Bigger boat. boat. Yeah. Oh, yeah yeah no kidding yeah it's uh it's it's so legit well where else are you nowhere else in the northeast are you fishing a tournament where you're gonna win a boat and second and third place the prizes aren't bad either they're they're well worth the well worth the trip (laughs) in and of themselves so that's it i'm trying harder this year yeah me too. <laughs>
1: we got to get that. <laughs> we got to get that boat won. Me too, Pete. I hope you come in second.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm going to try for first. It's, okay. it, what a great prize, great event gets rods and reels into the hands of uh, kids that might never get a chance to, yep. to fish. Or get exposed to fishing. I know I. My dad took me when I was four years old. Now I've always appreciated. Just saw dad. Shout out to to dad, mom, and dad. Love you guys. Yep. Uh, they were over eating hamburgers and hot dogs on our Memorial Day picnic at my house. Yep. Great to see him. He's he's 84 years old now. Mom's 80. And uh, you know what a blessing it was for me to for him to take me fishing, change my life. Well, guess what? Not everybody's got a dad or an uncle that fishes. And uh, this is a great opportunity for you guys to support a group that does that exact thing, that exposes kids to fishing and gets them some gear. And uh, if you can't make the event, go over to uh, IkeFoundation.org and donate, uh, and we will put that money to good use. So do we have a winner yet, Riz? Uh,
2: Yeah, we do. We We have a winner for the grand prize, and that is Randall. Randall won himself a doomsday tackle. Fishing rod. For, value. Uh, yep. Big, Va- value. big time value.
1: Yeah, it's like $175 value. Yeah. We, appreci- we appreciate Doomsday Tackle for donating that rod mm-hmm. uh, on behalf of Nick and appreciate that very much. And right. uh, uh, thank you, uh, Randall, for being a subscriber to Bass University. And thanks, everybody, for watching. Alex, thank you so much. Are you coming in for the tournament? We still got to give one more thing away, Pete. Alex, you making the trip down to see us, buddy? i will
3: not be able to make the trip up there pete i think for me that might be about ten thousand dollars worth of gas to drive (laughs) up there so i'll save my money and come out next year
1: yeah isn't that the truth sad to say it will cost about ten thousand dollars in gas to get down here but once you get here it's a short drive to where the fish live so you don't that's nice yeah and i and i see featured I, i one of our uh bash university uh
2: Kind you're absolutely going to need down there. Yep. For sure. So you need, need the big ones. It's a big bass fishery guys. And, uh, we also had a Facebook like and share winner, uh, on tonight's show or to tonight. See, I keep saying tonight, <laughs> I got to get used to this daytime thing. To- on today's show was, uh, Dontrell Sullivan. Congratulations, Dontrell Sullivan. You won yourself an awesome prize pack there, uh, with some TH Marine products, Rapala VMC. There's, uh, there's some weedless, VMC Nico hooks on that table Pete that a are must have. That are pretty bad to the bone. They that, uh That is a must have guys. They get it right done. There. So. Yep. You need you need that
1: if you're going to be fishing around habitat brush piles, grass, all that kind of stuff. Thanks for watching. We are don't forget to check out the the new releases that are coming out this week and we've got more coming all the time. Always got some great new stuff happening at Bass U. Uh thank you Riz. Thank you Alex. And we will see you next week with another edition of Bash University Live. See you, everybody.